Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. We pray for more. We love you. And we thank you that you have let us know that your concern is with us this morning. And we want to press in and continue to say, will you come and bring all the healing uh, that you have promised in your covenant in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I promise it won't get more awkward than that. So um, we've done that. Um, but uh, I think it's important to be expectant and to keep pushing in to prayer for these things. Now, I'm going to talk to you today about a subject called the fragrance of Christ. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, the fragrance of Christ. And this happened quite supernaturally. We were visiting in Naomeda uh, the summer before last, and uh, we were all together. Uh, it was quite amazing. Benamika came over. They had to sit through uh, five days of isolation before they were even allowed to get out. And in the meantime, we were going around the city and telling them what we had found and uh, what it looked like. And they were doing little YouTube tours online just to see what the city was like. I thought that that's incredible persistence. Um, and then uh, after that, we could explore it together. But we tried to figure out how do you get to know a city the quickest way? Now, one of the guys that came with us, Alka, said, I think we should go to the hairdressers. Because the hairdressers talk to everyone and they know everything. Right? Right? Yeah. So, okay, we thought, well, I need a haircut anyway. Let's do it. So, uh, I think he went to a, a barber shop called Mr. Beard. I was a little bit intimidated by the size of the beards by the people that were there, so I thought, I'm going to pick another one. I went to the Four Brothers. And uh, I got to the four brothers, I sat down, and uh, there was this guy called Max, and he was cutting my hair. I was saying, Max, tell me all about Naimaker. I'm new here, I want to know more about the city. So he taught me a few things about Naimaker, and then he asked me, what brought you to Naimaker? And uh, I said, well, I feel God's called me to come and plant a church here. Um, have you got any affiliation with church or faith? Now, he told me that he uh, grew up and uh, went to a Catholic school, um, but faith wasn't really um, his thing. Although he did believe there was more uh, to life, uh, his kind of experiences were more on the LSD sort of side. Um, I was a little intrigued. He said, tell me more about that. So he kind of explained how that works. So if you want to know more about that, you can speak to me after the service. Uh, and I can tell you not to go down that path. But um, uh, we had a, an interesting conversation. And, uh, uh, and um, I was telling him a little bit about our experience. And uh, then all of a sudden, he stopped cutting my hair. And he said, do you smell that? And I was like, not quite sure whether to be offended or intrigued. And uh, I said, no, what's going on? And he said, it's like somebody's lit a fragrance candle in the shop. It's everywhere. I was like, well, no, I, I can't smell it. But have you got these experiences more often? I'm just checking. You're not on the LSD thing at the moment. <laughs> no, no, that, was, that was not happening. And uh, I said, wow, that's amazing. I said, well, I believe that God speaks in all sorts of ways. And then I told him the story about what brought us to Naomi and how God had been speaking to us. And he just stuck cutting my hair slower and slower and slower. I think I've sat there in the, in the chair for about an hour and we had this conversation. The most expensive haircut I've ever had, but it was definitely worth it. And um, whilst we were uh, talking, I felt, wow, it feels like Jesus is doing something here. And so I gave him a tip on top of my very expensive uh, pay for a haircut. And then uh, we went out, we uh, got to know a bit more of the rest of the city, and then we had uh, a prayer walk around the city. 
and uh, during the prayer walk, we had people coming back and they were sharing words. And one of the people came back and they said, I, I came across a shop and it was a fragrance shop. And in the shop window, there was a quote and it said this, many things will fade, but not the memory of fragrance. And I was like, fragrance, again. It seems like God is onto something. And then I remembered a Bible verse. So why don't you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says this, But thanks be to God, who through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We are the fragrance of Christ, the aroma of Christ. Now when you look at this story, um, it's quite incredible. When you then look at the Bible verse, it brings out a truth that is hard to grasp. You see, we are the memory of Christ in the earth. We keep the memory of Christ alive in the earth because we are the fragrance of Christ. We are the fragrance that keeps the memory of Jesus alive. When we go about our daily business, there is something about us that people should sniff, that should smell like Jesus. Now, there's a story in the New Testament um, that, um, that I want to look at with you later. But um, uh, before I do that, um, the, I want to explain a little concept. You see, fragrance and memory are connected. Did you know? Sometimes you walk into a place and you smell something and instantly you have a memory. Have you ever had that experience? Well, a little while ago, um, my sister-in-law uh, bought Simona a little fragrance. And she was the master of ceremony at our wedding. And she had remembered what fragrance she wore on her wedding day. Which in and of itself, I think, is already quite incredible. Um, and um, she gave it to Simone as a, as a little gift. And I, did, I didn't know that she'd done that. And uh, she put it on. And uh, I came home. And Simone said, do you smell this? Does that remind you of anything? I'm like, oh, no. This is a trick question. I need to get this right. Um, but as soon as I smelled it, I was like, yeah. That's the fragrance you wore on your wedding day. Now, I don't know much about fragrance, but I did remember it. It was like an instant sort of memory. Now, in the same way, this Bible verse talks about how we are the memory of Christ. There is something when people encounter us that, that can give them that instant moment of a memory of God. That's what happened when I sat in the barbershop. There was like an instant moment in which God came and revealed himself in a way that uh, Max didn't quite understand, but God came there. Now, when I was talking with Max, he said to me that he was looking for something more, uh, but he had already decided that it couldn't be the church. And I was quite intrigued. How come somebody's interested in more, and is even willing to try an experimental sort of things to find out whether there is more, but he's already decided that it can't be the church? How is that possible? Well, he then started talking to me, and it, it was clear that the churches that he'd been in did not smell much like Jesus. You see, that's where our work is getting cut out. When we smell like Jesus, we are spreading the fragrance of Christ everywhere we go. But we should have churches that are filled with the fragrance of Christ. 
Now, how do you fill a church with the fragrance of Christ? Because if people walk into just any church and they do not smell the fragrance of Christ, they probably can be put off by it instead of attracted to it. Now, how do we fill a church with the fragrance of Christ? There is a story in the New Testament about Mary. I just want to read it to you. And I think it's got the key for us to understand how the fragrance of Christ works in the life of the believers. So in Mark chapter 14, verse 3, if you've got a Bible, you can turn there, or a digital device, it says this. Whilst he, Jesus, was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simeon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard, and she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Now some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And then he rebuked her harshly. And they rebuked her harshly. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always, always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured out perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And here we are, 2,000 years later, talking about the memory of her. Now, this story has got quite a few things. When you read, read the story, you might be familiar with it. You kind of glance over it a little bit. You may not be fully aware of what actually happened. How crazy it was, what happened. They were having dinner together, Mary came in, and she had an alabaster jar. Now, I tried to go to the shop and find an alabaster jar. I, I didn't come very far, um, but um, I, I found the jar that was the same size. This is as close as I got. So, uh, it was about half a litre. This is half a litre. Now, when you look at an alabaster jar of half a litre of perfume, that's quite big, isn't it? Normally you go to the shop and they charge you an absolute fortune for just a small bottle like this. So imagine when you've got a half a litre of very expensive nut. Um, that when, when we look at that, that, that is something significant. This wasn't a little perfume bottle on her shelf that she brought. This was a very expensive, big jar of perfume. Now, it says it's very expensive. Um, in our day, we, we, we get perfume. I mean, it's reasonably overpriced, but um, it, it's still fairly affordable for most people. In that day, perfume was not affordable for most people, and this was very, very expensive perfume because it had to be imported. It was pure nard, which meant that it probably had to be imported from across the Himalayas into Israel. And that was a very long journey, and we didn't have airplanes and cars by then, so it all had to be kind of uh, taken um, in either by foot or like camels or whatever, uh, were tracking across these places. Um, so this was a very big and very expensive bottle of perfume. It says it was worth a year's wage. Now, uh, this costs quite a bit when you buy it in the shop, but it's not a year's wage. Um, this one uh, costs about a year's wage. Now, if you kind of try to uh, put that in our day, a rough estimate, about 36,000 pounds. So when you go to the shop and you try and find a Christmas present for somebody you like, you're probably not going to end up with a £36,000 bottle of perfume, right? This was extraordinary. Like, this was probably her heirloom or, like, 
everything she had. This was a very significant thing. Now also, it was an alabaster jar. And, and the only way you could open up an alabaster jar was by breaking it. So you couldn't just take a little um, whiff of this and then put it back in the cupboard. It was like, it was kind of everything or nothing. So when she opened that bottle and she broke the bottle, everything poured out. And it says the fragrance filled the house. Now you can imagine when you open up a bottle of perfume this size, that's going to stink. Isn't it? I don't know whether you've ever sat on the bus next to somebody who kind of overdone it a bit on the aftershave or something like that. That's not pleasant, is it? You're like you're sitting there going, fresh, yeah, and you're happy to get off the bus. Now imagine sitting at that table with this bottle's getting broken, and the whole house, everyone's hanging out the windows to try and catch some fresh air because this is overpowering. Like this is not a nice little addition um, sort of fragrance candle that fills the room. This is like. Wow, this is this is in your face. That's why people like it, it provokes strong reactions. People are like, why on earth would you do that? That's a whole year's wage, and this place stinks. And what on earth does she think she's doing? Like this is quite a disruptive moment in the, the, the dinner occasion. Now, when you try to kind of get into um, the, the the story, it talks about how the the fragrance is released by Mary's moment of sacrifice. She had to break the bottle to release it. So when she came walking in with the bottle, all the perfume was there and all the fragrance was there, but no one could smell it because it was contained. Now when the bottle broke, it was very clear to everyone. Now, the reality is, when we look at the Christian life, and it says that we are the fragrance of Christ, and we read that at the start, it says we are the fragrance of Christ. It's not like when you come to Christ, you somehow need to learn how to smell nice. It says you are the fragrance of Christ. You come to Christ, that's it. You are the fragrance of Christ. There's nothing you need to do. There's nothing you need to grow, understand, do. You are the fragrance of Christ, instantly. But in order for the fragrance of Christ to be released in our lives, there is a sense of brokenness that is involved. It, it kind of needs to break. We need to be broken so that the fragrance of Christ might pour through us. Now that becomes very real. And therefore sacrifice and brokenness is something that goes closely together with spreading the fragrance of Christ. Um, last year we adopted a little girl and uh, it was quite a long process and I remember sitting on the sofa with one of the social workers and um, we had three daughters of our own and at some point he, he, he looked at us and he said, just try and help me understand, why would you want to ruin your own family by adopting another child? You've got three lovely daughters and you know that when you're going to adopt a child, you're not going to get a, a, a perfect child from the shop, it's going to be a child that's going to be broken and your family is going to be broken in the process do you know what you're getting yourself into and we were thinking he wasn't really selling it um, but um, there is a sense of reality in that um, and we very much experienced that there's been a year of learning how to um, uh, welcome brokenness into our family and it's highlighted all our brokenness and it, 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 it shows that there's a real sense of need now, when we sat there, we thought, well, well, this makes sense. We're Christians. This is how we live. Like, well, Christ was broken for us. 
we are broken, we receive his healing. And through us, we believe God wants to bring healing into the world. And this is our very small, almost insignificant part to play to bring a bit of that healing into the world. And he just bemused us. He, he didn't get it. He didn't understand it. Now, in the same way, for you, to spread the fragrance of Christ means living with a sense of brokenness. And I wonder what that looks like for you. What would it mean to break the job for you? What would it mean to follow Jesus in a costly way? When you think of your family, you think of your job, maybe uh, your friendship or your extended family or your neighborhood, what would it mean for you to live a broken life? What might need to break? Are there some plans you've made for the future? Are there some uh, habits that you have that keep you from spreading the fragrance of Christ? Are there some unhelpful things in your life? Are there some relationships that perhaps are not helpful in your life? What, what would Jesus lead you this morning to consider to break in order for that fragrance to spread more in your life? Now when we came in, it was absolutely beautiful to see so many people gathering from so many different places. There's a real sense of joy and excitement in your midst. I have no doubt anyone who walks into this room will smell the fragrance of Christ immediately. And I am a strong believer that that will go with you wherever you go. In your workplace, at home, in your university. And I'm just asking you, what are the opportunities that you have in your life to offer things to Jesus, to be broken? Maybe a reputation, maybe some dreams, maybe some things that you can put on Jesus' feet. Now, very briefly, um, what Mary did was also very costly. £36,000, I told you, um, is about a year's salary, is what she offered. There was real sacrifice in what she did. Breaking things in our lives often comes with sacrifice. And in our world, there's nothing that rings louder than the sacrifice of money. You see, everyone likes to do a little bit of charity on the side. And everyone likes to do a little bit of good. But no one likes to give away money. Definitely not outrageous amounts of money. I'm Dutch. We do not like to part with our money lightly. I mean, the English probably are similar. And when you make the statement of financial sacrifice, this rings loud, loud in our world. Now, going through the process of moving, we've discovered that moving is a very costly business. We did the maths, and we were quite excited about going to the Netherlands, and uh, we totted it all up um, to sell our house and all the legal fees and like, having to pay a, a mortgage fee for getting out of it early, and um, moving our stuff with the removal company, then buying a house in the Netherlands, and getting every, everything sorted. If you tot all of that up, that is about 36,000 euros. Outrageous amount of money. Planting a church sounded really great until we opened the spreadsheet. And then you come to that moment like, okay, wow, this is going to cost. Are we willing to invest that? Now, it's quite encouraged when I discovered it was £36,000 that Mary sacrificed back in the day. We're kind of going through a similar thing. Um, I'm thinking, I think Jesus is in this. Now, when you get to those moments, the reality is that you're not going to learn how to sacrifice much when you haven't learned how to sacrifice little. I don't believe that Mary 
came to the point of sacrificing the most costly thing in her life before having made some other sacrifices to follow Jesus. You see, for us, I mean, we could tell you lots of stories, I'll try and keep it really short, but God's really uh, been teaching us to learn how to trust him with the little that we have. Um, we were saving up for a house, uh, to buy a house in the UK, and uh, that was kind of our dream, and it took a really long time. Deposits are outrageously big these days, and um, we thought, we want to learn how to trust God with our money, uh, but we also want to ask him to provide for us. So uh, we'd saved up a bit of money, about £2,000, and we thought, well, if we're going to keep going with this, it's probably going to take us another decade. So it's kind of like, either God's going to have to help us, or we may need to let go of this plan. So we prayed a prayer, and we said, God, um, these £2,000 are yours. If you want them, um, just let us know, um, and uh, we, we're going to trust you with it. Uh, and um, if you're in this, we're going to ask you to then provide for us. If you're not, that's fine. We're going to let it go, but we, we need to know. So, following day, I meet a lady. She's about to be put out of our house. She says, I need help. And I say, how much do you need? And she says, £2,000. <coughs> Is that mean you wish you had not prayed that <laughs> normally have to think about that, but I, th I think I know somebody who could help you. So we gave away the £2,000 and we started praying. We said, okay, God, if you're in this, then you're going to need to provide for us. The same day the cheque leaves our account, we get a gift come through. £6,000. Now, I don't know about you, but that normally doesn't happen to us. I don't often meet people say, here, we'd like to have £6,000. So we thought, I, th I think God's in this. So we keep saving up, and I think we made it to about £8,000. We were nearly there. Then I attended an RM conference, and uh, Steph Liston was speaking, some of you know him, and I can't for the life of me remember what he said, but there was one line in his preach that says, give it all away. And I was like, no, not again. And uh, I phoned up Simone and I said, I kind of feel like God wants us to do it again. She's like, are you sure? No, but I, I do think so. I said, well, let's pray that God will confirm it. In the evening, Mike Pulavachi is doing some ministry time, and uh, he's saying, there's somebody in the room here. You've made a phone call with your wife this afternoon, and you talked about doing something very risky, and God says, go do it. Ah, <laughs> oh, there's no way to bring all yourself out this one, is it? <coughs> so the next day, there was an RM offering, and uh, I can tell you, I lingered a little moment <laughs> when I put that check over the offering basket. I was like, think anyone knows here what's going on. I was like, this is big. And so uh, I, I tried to find something that resembles a piggy bank. Uh, I couldn't get any further than a, a, a doggy bank, but it kind of looks quite uh, familiar, doesn't it? And uh, I can tell you, when I helped my everything over that offering basket, it came with a moment. Am I willing to let go of my everything or not? Well, I did. I put it in and said, uh, I came home and I thought, well, this worked last time. <laughs> so, if we do the maths, that should be at least 24,000. So I started praying and I was looking at the, 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 the doormat thinking, this is going to happen any moment. Well, a car bill happened next. And then another unexpected bill. And no money came through. And I was like, it didn't work. It didn't work. And I got a bit frustrated with God. And sometimes it's okay to be a little bit frustrated in your prayers with God. Did you know that? The Bible is full of it. Just read the Psalms. And um, I felt God speak to me and said, well, 
What was all this given about? Was it because you thought you were going to get more? Or was it because you trusted me with your everything? And I was like, okay, point taken. I don't think I was willing to trust God with my everything. So then we started praying, like, okay, God, this is yours. We are willing to trust you with our everything. And we want to follow you in the big and in the small. Now, a few weeks later, a few months later, we had a gift day at church. I love gift days. But this time around, it came with a little bit of hesitation. Thinking last time that didn't work out so great. This time, I didn't even have much money to give. So then, I felt God speaking to me and I said, I want you to do it again. This time, not with lots. You trusted me with your savings, but this time I want you to trust me with your everything. I want you to go to bank and take out 150 notes of five, because we've got about 150 sort of adults and, and uh, said this will be the first gift day at Life Church where you're going to give money away. Okay. Um, so uh, Simona went to the bank. She phoned me up. She says, there's a problem. There's no 150 notes of five in the bank. I said, well, just take up whatever you can and uh, we'll go from there. So we had a very bemused bank attendant putting down lots of notes of five. Then we hunted every pot and every wallet in the house and lo and behold, we put it on the table we had 150 notes of five. So we sat our girls down at the uh, breakfast table and we said, this morning we're going to go to the church and we're going to give up. And they looked at us like, why would you want to do that? And we said, we're going to start with you. We're going to give you five pounds each because that's what we felt God saying. He wants to give us uh, five pounds to every person who attends the church. Well, that solved the whole deal. They forgot about the rest, but they were happy with the five pounds. Then we came to church. We gave everyone five pounds and we talked about how Christ gives his all for us. And how when we give, we don't give because we've got a little bit of leftover. We, we give in response to his great gift. And uh, we had a bit of uh, a few notes left over. So she went around all the kids groups and all the youth groups. And uh, we had some youth coming in, I think even from the street, going, we're here, you give money away. Can we have some? Yeah, sure, come in here, you can have some too. And, uh, and, um, and then we still praying. Okay, God. We didn't do the maths this time. We said, we trust you. We trust you with our everything. We've given it to you. And, um, and now we need your provision for us. The next day, I get a phone call. Guy doesn't even come to our church. He says, I've heard your story. He said, I assume you're going to need somebody to pay for your shopping. I said, well, yeah, Monday's our shopping day. Um, and uh, he says, I'm going to go and be that guy, take you out, and I'll pay for your shopping. So I brought my daughter, Lika, she came with me, and uh, he said, I'm going to have a coffee, you load up your shopping cart, and I'll pay for it at the end. So I went around the shop, and uh, um, Lika was asking, could we have this, could we have this? And I said, well, the man said you can pay for everything. So, yeah, let's load it in. I mean, we did the most creative Jenga stacking shopping cart that I've ever seen going through the aisles. We got to uh, the, the checkout, and we put it all in, and the guy paid for it, we came home, and uh, I remember, Lika's face when we walked through the door. She held two bags and she said to uh, Slinger, Look, mummy, what Jesus has bought for us! <laughs> it was in that moment that our trust in Jesus grew 12 inches. It was like Jesus knows what we need. We can trust him, even without everything. That's a long story. We were able to buy a house in the end. It wasn't quite the house that we were anticipating or thinking of. Uh, we're even still on that track now. But we have learned an important thing. We've learned to trust Jesus with our everything. 
Now, when Mary came, and she came to Jesus, and she gave her everything, she broke what she had. She didn't do that because there was a fundraising appeal. Jesus didn't gather his disciples saying, um, I'm going to go to heaven soon. We need a bit of a mission plan. And in order to reach the whole world, we need lots of money. We need all of you to bring in a bit of money to support the mission. None of that happens. When you read through the story, it says that Mary had seen something. It says this. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. You see, Mary had seen something, I think in the spirit, I can't explain it any other way. She had seen something that everyone else had missed. You see, she had seen that Jesus wasn't going to go and donate 36,000 pounds or a bottle of perfume to the mission. Jesus was going to go and he was going to give his all. And he was going to be broken on the cross for everyone, for you and for me, for the whole world. Now this was not um, a year's wage, this was a life's wage, and this wasn't just a normal life's wage, this was a divine life's wage. And the divine life's wage of Jesus pays for all sins in the world. Now you and I have come to Jesus with our shame, our difficulties, and our debts. It says that when we sin, there's a debt that's created between us and God. We owed him a life because we were given a life, but we're taking it for ourselves, so now we owe one. Jesus came to pay for all of that. And when he died on the cross, he didn't sacrifice a year's wage. He sacrificed his all. His body was broken for us. His divine body was broken for us, so we may receive healing and love. And he did that because... Because he loves you and he thinks you are precious and he did not want you to go to waste. He wanted to redeem your life. So Mary had seen something and because she'd seen that, she was able to give her all. You see, when you see the sacrifice that Jesus has made, it's not hard to let go of what you've been given in the first place. So when gift day comes around, I'm sure you have some in your church, and you kind of think, oh, no, maybe that should be the week I miss. Uh, or when you start talking about giving, if there's a little bit of uncomfortableness in your heart, it means that the gospel hasn't fully sunken in yet. Because if we realize how much Jesus has given for us, it changes the way that you relate to your possessions, to your dreams, and everything you have. When you see how much Jesus has given for us, it makes you outrageously generous in response of thankfulness and gratefulness. Now, as a church, you are about to do something very costly. You are about to give some of your very, very best. It's going to be a bit painful. We are very excited about the next step and the team we're gathering, but for you, it comes with a bit of pain of having to let go of some of the great people that have invested in this church. Ben and Mika have come, they've poured their lives out into many of uh, your lives, and it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard. You kind of have to embrace a bit of brokenness of letting go of something that's important to you. But can I tell you that this is what the gospel is? And can I encourage you that this is not gonna be an exception? This is church. This is gonna be the reality. We know you're not just in it for Colchester. 
We know you're in it for the whole of the UK, the whole of Europe, the whole of the world. And doing mission together means investing your very best, giving away your best. And I believe that this is a little pretest of more to come. I believe that there's going to be a sense of brokenness that we're all going to live with to sacrifice the things that are most costly to us. At the moment, we have got a little WhatsApp group and we get videos being pinged across of people selling houses and leaving everything behind. There's something unique in that moment. The fragrance of Christ being released when people make sacrifices. And I want to encourage you with that. I want to finish with a quote. You see, if we look around the church and we want to see the fragrance of Christ being spread all around, this is the kind of life that we are called to, each of us are called to, in response to the amazing gift of Jesus. You said somebody once said, a professor said, um, he talked about the early church, he said, students, he said, there once was a community of believers who were so totally devoted to God that their life together was charged with the Spirit's power. He says, in that band of Christ followers, believers loved each other with a radical kind of love. They took off their masks and shared their lives with one another. They laughed and they cried and they prayed and they sang and they served together in authentic Christian fellowship. To those who had more, shared freely with those who had less until socio-economic barriers melted away. People related together in ways that bridged gender and racial chasms and celebrated cultural differences. Acts 2 tells us that this community of believers this church offered unbelievers a vision of life that was so beautiful, it took their breath away. It was so bold, so creative, so dynamic, that they couldn't resist it. And verse 47 tells us that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's the kind of church I want to be part of. That's the church that you want to be part of. That's the church that you are. This is my dream, planting churches like this all across the Netherlands. I want people like Max to come in and taste something different. I want him to taste this, not the naff stories that he told me. I want him to taste something of the beautiful fragrance of Christ, released through ordinary believers like you and me, who are willing to give their all, to sacrifice their all. Now, I thought to finish off, to make it a little bit memorable, we should make it a bit messy. Are you up for a bit messy? Yeah? You see, um, I've brought my little doggy bank, but I, I've also brought another friend that I'd like to introduce you to. This is my friend, Fred. And uh, poor little doggy and Fred don't quite get on so well together. We're going to do a little moment of memory. See, following Jesus means living broken for Christ. Breaking the bank, the piggy bank or the doggy bank for Christ. And I want to invite you to join a life like that. Now, I wondered, Hugh, would you like to do the symbolic honours <laughs> to commit your church to living a life sacrificing for Christ? Yeah? Here we go. I'm safe in this one, I didn't get the chance. So, so. Here we go. So, um, maybe the worship team can come up in the meantime. <laughs> and uh, we're going to try not to uh, splinter the slide over. We need you to participate in this. Are you okay? Yeah? Up for a bit of participation. We need you to count down from three to one, and then we'll let Q do the others. Ready? Three, two, one. 
Are you ready? Three, two, one. Be released, for we are the fragrance of Christ.